0: You all just witnessed something that was a gift. The worship team was a gift, but that wasn't the gift. We had three little human beings. And I don't know what you saw, and I know that it changes based on kind of where we're at, but I saw three human beings so excited that they had found Jesus. Let that just sink in for a moment. Three little human beings that were so excited they had found Jesus. That's our prayer for you, the church, every week. That three human beings, or human beings in general, would find Jesus. And the giggling and the laughter that ensues immediately following that. Man, just as we started to sing, Oh, come to the altar. Our God is faithful. He sets things up that we don't organize and then just lets it happen so that you can get a glimpse. As you know, we have uh, a friend whose name is Melody, who's an intern in ministry and uh, pursuing this call on our life from God. I've asked Melody, I told her don't go too far. Where'd she go? Melody! Oh, she's back there. I can see her now. To to come and pray for me this morning and uh, just to to get my heart ready and your heart ready. I'm going to need this a few different times today, Monty, so uh, don't go too far. Perfect. You ready? Okay, I am too.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you for being able to be here this morning so that we can lift our hands and worship you. We thank you for being able to come and find you, find you in our hearts and in each other. We lift up Pastor Joe this morning to speak through him. Tell us what we need to hear. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I got two microphones. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, You can't give a kid a toy. He plays with it. Um, A couple of things that I wanted to kind of call to your attention on the front end. We're entering into a season in the church called Lent. And and Lent is really this season of preparation where the Lord prepares the hearts of his children for the reality of the resurrection. And uh, that started on Ash Wednesday and many of you were there for Ash Wednesday. What a beautiful service we had. Uh, And it's not really beautiful because of anything we do. It's beautiful because God is present in the midst of our sin. And that's really what Ash Wednesday kicks off this, this season where we are reflecting on who we are. And uh, I'd like to invite you as a church to spend the next, it's not quite 40 days now, you've got about 37 days, just to be intentional in your approach to God, to be intentional in, in how you a- approach life. And maybe like so many of us, you've had this kind of slow decay. <laughs> Lent is that time when, when God brings us right back to center. And um, but we have some responsibility on our end of being faithful in approaching that. So I, I'd like to invite you to that, and over the next several weeks, we're going to preach sermons kind of in line with that. And today we start off with uh, the temptation of Jesus, and a sermon that uh, comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter four. You are familiar with this narrative. It's where the, the Holy Spirit uh, leads Jesus into the wilderness, where he is prepared for the ministry. And the tempter, or the, the devil, encounters him there in a very specific way. And we're going to look at that. But really, our sermon title comes from the very last couple of words in verses 1 through 13. It says that the tempter left him until an opportune time. Until an opportune time. I'd like to invite you to do a couple of things on the front end. First is, write down if you've got a piece of paper... Um, there, there's, I, I'm sorry, if we're, we're, Brenda, I'm sorry, I'm going to invite them if they don't have paper to use one of the, the giving envelopes to write on the back of, uh, so forgive me for that. You can leave those in the offering baskets, our counter, no, they wouldn't love that problem. Well, they might, but uh, I'd invite you to write on, on a piece of paper or something, maybe something that you recognize as a temptation for you. So temptations aren't necessarily things that we, uh, that, they're not sin. Temptation is spots in our lives where the enemy works to kind of distract us from pursuing Christ. Let me give you an example. Uh, I'll share with you my my full narrative and then I'm going to invite a couple of friends to come up front and uh, share a little bit too. Um, For Lent, the Lord revealed, Joe, you've got to really hone in on, on food. I'm like, I like food, I don't have to hone in on it. And he revealed that gluttony is really something that he's wanting me to, to give over. And um, there were two things that came to the surface very quickly, bread and sweets. I'm like, I love carbs and I love sweets and people like to give me sweets, and, but I said, okay. And uh, I shared that with my wife that I was doing this. And we went to a basketball tournament and uh, on Saturday, Friday morning, they said, uh, we've made you fresh cinnamon rolls. (laughs) Oh, they smelled so good. And I was like, yeah, I'll have one of those. And my wife leaned over and said, honey. She didn't say anything else. She just kind of said, Joe, I'll have one of those maybe later sometime, probably not. I was tempted. You see how that works? I was tempted because of my desires to, to violate something that I had given up. Cinnamon buns aren't evil in, of them, themselves, other than the fact that I had given that over to the Lord, and I needed someone to kind of help me stay the course. I've asked a couple of Well, I didn't ask a couple of friends. I asked one friend, and I'm going to put another one on the spot right now. This is very dangerous to do. Very dangerous. But they're pretty good on their feet, I think. Um, where's my friend Dave. Dave, where are you? Come on up here, Dave. And uh, Nicole Richardson, you're really good on your feet. Can you come up here just for a moment? Just for, just for a brief moment. Come on. Um, and I just want to share with the body a couple of things. They're not up here because they're in trouble yet. Now, they're up here because they've walked the walk for a, a while. And they've been tempted like all of us, and I want you to hear from them, I'm giving you this on the front, I'm giving you the questions on the front end here, I want you to hear from them, just briefly, I'm going to ask them a couple of questions, and uh, kind of how they've navigated life with God. This is your, we'll let, we'll, we'll let you go first, we'll let you back clean up, okay, right. so you can process as he's talking. I'm only going to ask you two questions. So the first question is, how long have you, Dave, how long have you been a Christian? Tell us, this body, how long you've been a Christian.
2: I've been a Christian for over 40 years. Over four decades, So praise about God. About when I was three years old, just kidding. <laughs> some people know how old I am. I'm, gonna,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of how to respond to that. Uh, as priest or as, we're just gonna leave it alone. <laughs> Great, so for over 40 years, you've been walking with the Lord. Um, what, are, what are some things that you've done when you felt temptation in your life? What are some things that you've done to, to not engage in that temptation, to resist the temptation?
2: May I share some of the temptation? That
0: you, you could do that. Yes. Sure. Go well. ahead. So the
2: so my temptation, I think that I've fought with for most of my life, would be the material things in life that look great out there and you see on TV. And you know, I I was a football player and I wanted to be a pro football player. And and being a me and Joe Namath were buddies back when I was <laughs> real small. And so and then just had a lot of exposure as we all do now especially younger people with all the nice things in life that you see on tv and pursuit of money and some of those things don't really bode well with um the christian walk if you will yeah the pursuit of money and the pursuit of things hoping they're going to make me happy yeah and so how i dealt with it was basically the church was a big part of it um you know, back when I was younger and, and my mom was a big Christian and was one that I would accompany to church. Yeah. Uh, and church brought me back to kind of reality and a, yeah. a relationship with God and knowing that things aren't w- what's going to make me happy. Um, you know, being proper in the eyes of God is what's kind of a blessing to bring me back to, to the ground, if you will. You know, sometimes you yeah. get a little big, bigger than yourself, because you think you're going places, and, yeah. and uh, that, those things did not make you happy. In the bottom, and as I get older, I realize that even more. So
0: that's really that's raw and that's real, Dave. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Ni- Nicole, how long have you been a Christian?
1: I was saved when I was 15, when an anonymous donor. I came home from school one day and my grandma said, you're going to Christian camp. I had just moved in with my grandparents um, in Cattaraugus and I was like, okay. <laughs> never, I didn't get to go to church until I moved in with my grandparents at 15. And it was at Houghton yeah. College. Didn't know a single other person there. And that's where I was saved. Changed my life for sure. <laughs>
0: awesome. Yeah. So uh, you've been a Christian for a while. Yes. A couple of years at least. I'll let
1: you guess how many. I that wasn't going to ask.
0: I, I <laughs> could tell by your answer that you weren't wanting me to ask the follow up, so we're going to leave it right there. But um, how have you navigated? Because no one is exempt from temptation. So, how have you navigated temptation in light of your, your faith and the salvation that God has bestowed upon yeah. you? How have you navigated it?
1: Quite a few different things. Um, I think the number one thing is uh, starting my day. Every single day in scripture and prayer, like just non-negotiable. Yeah, I, I am. Those who know me, I am not a morning person. <laughs> it's ugly in the morning, but I absolutely have to start with that yeah. first, first thing to get my mind uh, right.
0: So, scripture and prayer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Constant talking to God all day long, yeah. all day long. Um, the other biggest thing I would say is Christian literature. Uh, reading. I've had a lot of different struggles, and finding books that people wrote who have gone through the same thing, yeah, and just gleaning uh, from them. so yeah. just lots of reading, lots of reading, lots of praying. <laughs> wow!
0: Thank you so. That is that is. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, let's give them a hand. That's it. Thank you so much. Well done. See, that wasn't too painful. I had asked Dave ahead of time, and Nicole had no idea. Uh, but I knew that they could navigate uh, life on their feet pretty well. There's a few things that I want to uh, encourage you in. Remember, I invite you to write down something or a primary area that temptation is kind of where, where you find yourself tempted. Let me let me help you draw a couple of lines that are really clear, okay? Because this is this is where we get into some murky water as Christians at times. Everyone is tempted. Temptation is the spots in our lives where we want to. Deviate from sin, right? And the easy ways or deviate into sin, the easy ways that that we do that. As Dave shared a little bit vulnerably, like materialism, shiny things. And uh, so, whatever your temptation is, having the temptation is not the sin. It's actually engaging in the temptation that crosses the line. Does that make sense? You're going to see this played out perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ, who was fully man and fully God. Who scripture says really clearly in Hebrews that he, we do not have a high priest who hasn't struggled also with every temptation. He is able to understand our temptations with sympathy because he too was tempted. If you got your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. And uh, I'd invite you to, to stand as we've been kind of in the, in the habit of doing, because this is the word of God. And it is for the people of God. And we can give thanks to God for it. Uh, Luke chapter 4, the first 13 verses says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, or into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he, the devil, said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. That's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated we're going to look at a few different things i got to move this this is i need eh, this is way too tall for me says the guy who's if, if you know me this isn't really my comfort i don't really like the the pulpit thing i uh but that's just me personally but i needed to kind of hold my notes so that at least the people that are working in the booth can stay somewhat on task and the first thing I want to encourage you in is that the tempting never stops. It never stops until we are perfected in glory with Jesus in the final coming, right? Until we are present with the Lord always. And that's a challenging thing to think about because we want it to stop, don't we? We don't want to have temptation any longer. But what we just read in the scriptures is that we have a, a Savior who knows exactly what it is that we're going through. He knows that we're not exempt from temptation. And as I said earlier, temptation is not the sin. Engaging in the temptation is the sin. And it's really important that as you start to kind of think about what it is, where the areas of temptation are. So in the, in the working world, we use this line sometimes. We say, uh, in, in hiring of people, you want a staff to your Weaknesses. I heard it over here somewhere. You want to staff to your weaknesses, and we're like, oh, we don't want to say we have weaknesses. Well, here's the deal. Unless you understand where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are, you're going to be in a world of conflict all the time. Understanding where your areas of temptation are is the spots where you can really work to avoid, right? You know what wouldn't be good for Pastor Joe to do right now, given what I told you earlier? To walk into a candy store, Right? That would not be a good thing. Why would I want to go into there? Because this is an area that the Lord's really working with me on. Temptation, we're all going to be tempted. And understanding where our primary spots of temptation are, which is unique to each of us, right? It's special to you. You have your own desires that are different than mine, right? But we all have it. It's also the spots in our lives where we can experience the greatest victories where you can see the presence of Almighty God through the power of the Holy Spirit giving you victory where you don't have to engage in it again. How many times have you said, Lord, I don't ever want to do that again, and then had to say it again, and again, and again, right? Temptation is real. And Jesus, Jesus modeled a couple of things I want you to to underline a word in your Bibles, if you write in your Bibles, Uh, after the Pew Bibles, you can underline those too, I guess. It'll be good for the next person that reads it. Um, And it's the first, it's the first sentence, actually. So our bookends to this are what we're really honing in on. The first part says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not on our own power that we overcome temptation, Paul writes about this in Romans, right? He says, why do I do the things I know I shouldn't do and the things I want to do, I don't do? By ourselves, we're not able to overcome or resist temptation. That's because of original sin. That's because we're we're flawed. Not because of anything that you desired or you wanted to pass on, and I've preached a sermon on this before, but because of the sin of Adam and Eve. We are all benefactors of that. We are also all benefactors of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which by the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to overcome. So a couple of words that I want to define, and this is why I need my notes. The first is vigilant. You know what vigilant means? Um, honestly, I this is me just being really candid and really raw. When we were putting these together, the sermon outline, and uh, these words came up, I'm like, Vigilantes, that's the word, and I had no idea what it really meant. But uh, it's in the notes, so we're going to continue with it, okay? But vigilant means keeping careful watch for possible danger or difficulties. So a vigilante is someone who keeps careful watch for possible danger or difficulties. It's someone who's watching over something. We identified a few areas of of temptation that many people kind of struggle with. I didn't give Dave my notes. Did I give you my notes? I don't think so. One of the things on my piece of paper here is materialism. Another one. Materialism is the, the, uh, a tendency to consider material things, possessions, and physical comfort more important than spiritual values. Okay, that's just a simple definition of it. Egoism. Hmm. This is an ethical theory that treats self-interest as the foundation of morality. In other words, it's all about me. And I get to define what is right and good and, and, and all of that. And then another one that we talked about was hedonism or the pursuit of pleasure. These are three primary things that our culture is navigating on a regular basis, both outside the church and inside the church. I really appreciate your candidness about that. That was really vulnerable. That's not easy to talk about in front of your peers, by the way. It's not. A recent survey of Discipleship Journal ranked the areas of greatest spiritual challenge. Listen to what these top uh, 10 things are. The first, materialism. You can't make this stuff up. It's right here on the... This was pre-done, right? And, And they did the survey outside of my knowledge, right? Second pride. Third, (laughs) self-centeredness. Four, laziness. A tie for fifth was anger slash bitterness and sexual lust. Number seven was envy. Number eight is gluttony. And number nine is lying. Listen to this. Survey respondents noted temptations were more potent when they had neglected their time with God. I didn't give Nicole that answer. I did not give her that answer ahead of time. We didn't even talk this morning until you came up here. Well, we bantered a little bit, I guess, during the announcements. 81%. When they were physically tired, it was more difficult when they were physically tired. 57%. Resisting temptation was accomplished by prayer, by avoiding compromising situations, don't go to the candy store, by Bible study, spending time in the word of God and being accountable to someone else. Thank you, Leslie. And I would add another area, <clears throat> which as a church we've been navigating, Kind of, we're on, a, we're on a launch pad for community with our men's ministries and our women's ministries. And Dave, you identified this for us. You said that in the church... In the community of faith, we're less likely to be tempted when the community of faith is pursuing holiness together. Because scripture says in Proverbs that as iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. I don't want to leave that just to the men. Okay, It's men and women there. We sharpen each other. We we protect each other. We help each other. We need to be the vigilantes. The ones who care for each other. If I know that my friend who is a follower of Jesus struggles with sexual sin, I should probably not encourage him to go to places where that's gonna be a huge temptation. Right? If I know that my friend struggles and and desires to not be tempted in his, because food has been a big thing for them, I probably shouldn't take him to the buffet I'm being serious, right? That's like, I shouldn't cause my brother or sisters to stumble. If I know that my friend struggles with gossip, I'm meddling a little bit right now. I probably shouldn't engage in conversations with other people. I heard a great devotional. Well, it was a devotional that turned into a lengthy sermon on a Thursday night from Philippians chapter 2. And he identified grumbling and murmuring. I'm like, oh, How many of us have been guilty of grumbling and murmuring? <laughs> Some, I love what I just saw. Thank you for your honesty and your candidness. That, yeah, I've struggled with that. Our children will lead us. They don't have the concerns yet of their peers judging them. They just go to the altar. They just raise their hand and say, yeah, I struggle with that, and I don't want to. How do I not? Oh, that's a great question. I'll give you the answer right now, okay? We're going to do the exact same thing Jesus did, because Jesus struggled with three. Struggle and engaging are two very different things. Temptation and struggle is the, struggle is another word we can use for temptation, okay? So I want to make it very clear, Jesus never sinned. Never. The three areas the enemy tempted him were kind of known as the the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. Remember, he started with the lust of the flesh. You're hungry, Jesus, eat this bread. And then he gave him, took him up on the hill and said, you can have all of this. Look at all this beauty. The lust of the eyes. And then, and then, he hit him with the pride of life. Did you notice what Jesus did in response to to the tempter's attack. He went back to him with scripture. And the final thing he did, the final thing he did is he asserted his position of authority and power over the enemy. Do not test the Lord your God. And I want to stay there just for a moment with you and tell you that uh, our, our final point is the reality that, that temptation never stops and that we must be vigilantes. And then I, we, we pose this question, or does it stop? You're not going to be exempt from temptation. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can not fall into temptation. Right? We pray this all the time. And deliver us from temptation. Temptation. Don't let us fall into that, or as the New Testament writer says, uh, we engage in the sin that so easily entangles and ensnares. I think about that in the context when I I think about sin and how I don't desire to be there, but sometimes you find yourself kind of a foot in there, and then before you know it, you can't get out. Has anybody ever stumbled into multiflora rose? That's a miserable, miserable plant. It was a great border protection thing, which was what it was designed for, Right? It was great for that because once you got into it, you can't get out. It grabs a hold of you and you just, you're fighting and you're clawing and you're bleeding and it's just terrible. That's how it is kind of with sin, isn't it? it? It sucks us in. And the enemy, remember, I said at the beginning, it's really all about the final couple of words. Return at an opportune time. He left him until an opportune time. In Scripture, we have the revelation that that opportune time came... Just before he was crucified, right? I think Mel Gibson in his uh, narrative, The Passion, did a wonderful job of depicting that. Do you remember, has anybody seen The Passion? You remember this narrative kind of throughout? It was, I mean, it's Hollywood at its finest, I think. But uh, did a wonderful job of revealing kind of this temptation from the enemy. And at an opportune time, when, when it appeared that he was weak, and when it appears that we are weak, it's there that the enemy is going to say, come on baby, we can do this together. It's going to fuel the fire. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want, to, I want to read this for you specifically, not just read it off my paper. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to read uh, verses 9 through 12 for you. And it's under it's important to understand that he was not writing to BPUMC at the time. But this is timeless. And this word is for you. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belong to almighty God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this marvelous or wonderful light. And then he says this. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy. He says, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, this is a whole nother sermon right there, so don't get lost in that, okay? But he says this, to abstain or to not engage in, to resist sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans or among others who don't know Jesus that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Thanks be to God. You are his chosen people. I had the privilege of coaching uh, our girls' basketball team uh, with the International Sports Academy on, uh, in a national tournament over the weekend. And they did things a little bit differently than we do in other athletic competitions. But uh, it wasn't, you know, your stereotypical Christian school gathering of athletes, uh, where sometimes the competition is marginal at best. These are Division I athletes. Uh, Our boys team beat the number two team in Arizona, in in the state of Arizona, uh, to move on. It was really exciting. So our our girls did a great job uh, also, but all that to say, it's a huge competition, Right. Teams from all over the country come. Actually, you could say the world because there were some Canadian teams that came also. But uh, came to this space and they said in, their, in the coaches meeting on the first day, they said, we have a few things that are of utmost importance. The competition's going to be great. We don't, we, don't, we don't tolerate any kind of stuff. And then they handed out these patches. And they said, we want you to give these patches to a kid on the other team that represents Christ in the midst of fierce competition so that others know that there's something different about you or them. And I think if Jesus were standing here with us right now, he would want to do the same thing. He would want to say, here, you've modeled really well what it is to be faithful, to resist temptation, not on your own accord, but by the Holy Spirit within me because you've kept yourself sharp. You know, um, Lent, I started off telling you that Lent is this season of preparation. Engage it. It doesn't mean, when we're walking tight with the Lord, it doesn't mean that problems aren't there. Please don't buy that lie. But it means that Jesus is with us in the midst of the chaos and the strife It means that we do have the power to resist any kind of evil, any kind of temptation that is positioned against us. We can resist that by the power of the Holy Ghost who is within us. We are people of holiness. You are people of holiness. Allow Easter in this season of Lent to be for you a season of preparation where we're made right again with Almighty God. And just see what God does with that. The tempting isn't going to stop. We have the unique opportunity to be vigilantes, caring for and watching out for one another. And then we also have the unique opportunity to resist it ourselves in whatever way, shape, or form it presents itself. As long as we're tethered and very closely tethered to the one who gives us freedom. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your grace and power you've given us to resist sin and evil in whatever forms they present. Lord, I pray for your church this morning as we come to this table that the words that we've written on that piece of paper earlier, that we would surrender them to you and say, Lord, I struggle with this. Help me to overcome. Help me to not walk in the way of the wicked again, but to walk faithfully because of what you have done. Jesus, thank you for being a perfect model. In your name we pray, amen.